Hey guys, this is Rick Godwin, pastor of Summit Church here in San Antonio. Thanks for joining us today. You know, we're excited to have you on our podcast. Our goal is to inspire you and to challenge you and help everyone realize their full potential in Christ. Now enjoy the message. We've been talking about the power of focus. What do you see? God told Abraham, lift up your eyes, old boy. Look north, south, east, and west. All the land you can see, I'll give it to you. If you can't see it, you won't ever achieve it. You've got to see something before it ever comes to fruition. Walt Disney saw Epcot, and he saw his dream, although he died before Epcot was completed. One of the officials at the inauguration said, it's a shame Walt isn't here to see it. And Mrs. Disney said, oh, don't you worry. He saw it years ago. What do you see? Focus. Focus, by definition, is the adjustment of the eye so that a clear image is produced. So reading glasses, laser surgery, RK surgery, bifocals, contact lenses, magnifying glasses, and telescopes are all designed to increase the quality of your vision. Helen Keller was asked once, who was born, by the way, deaf and uh, unable to see. You know, I think about that. What's your problem? The ability to hear and the ability to see, gone. But she was asked by a journalist, what could be worse than being born blind? She said, that's easy, to have sight, but no vision. And where there is no vision, people live undisciplined, unrestrained. There's no direction. There's no focus to their life at all. You see kids out of work, they don't see anything. Our job as teachers, our job as leaders, our job as parents is casting vision. Make it clear. Make it plain so that he who reads it may run. That's clear scripture. See, focus is absolutely necessary to achieve anything worthwhile in life. Achievement in life is 90% focus. At the 2001 Golden Globe Awards, actress Julia Roberts was asked why she took the part of Erin Brockovich. And she said, and I quote, it showed how much one person could accomplish with focus. In Luke 4, Jesus is tempted by the devil who was constantly trying to break his focus and get him away from his assignment. But it never worked. Your focus will always be challenged before you see your breakthrough in life. Be aware of that. The enemy doesn't want you to pass go and collect $200. He will try to stop you, thwart, change, distract you from your vision or purpose in order to either hinder, hurt, or destroy your life. Focus will determine what you move towards in life. You know, we often have a lot of plans for stuff, but no focus. No one planned to get divorced, but most are focused on the night of the wedding instead of life after the wedding. Hello. Broken focus will disable you from reaching your goals in life. It will destabilize you. It will stop you. It will confuse you, and it can be destructive. And let me pause to say, in 1972, I remember there, I flew into Miami many times shooting the final approach into Miami International, but Eastern Airlines, doesn't exist now, an L-1011 jumbo jet crashed into the swamp, the Everglades, on its final approach 
to landing. They had come from New York. It was, I don't know, midnight or something. And one of the landing lights on the gear didn't come on, the nose gear. And so the uh, co-pilot and the engineer were focused on it. The pilot got focused on it. They didn't want to uh, try to land with the nose gear unsettled. So they were all focused on it. And somebody neglected to realize the autopilot was switched off. And so it being dark, they were less aware of what's happening in a very slow descent until they crashed. And if you'll Google it, 1972 Eastern Airlines, you'll see the whole plane and you'll see what happened. But their focus was broken, reports said, during the safety check that they took their eyes off of what they should have had them on. More importantly, the pilot should have been flying the plane. So I asked... Uh, Rick Poe this morning, who's a captain with Delta, and Jim Williams in Vietnam was a helicopter pilot. I said, I remember my instructor during flight training says, Rick, I don't care what the emergency is. Your rule number one, fly the plane. What good is it if you fix a problem, but you crash? So the first priority is flying that plane. Focus, focus, focus. And I never forgot that. So to stay focused, you've got to identify the enemies to your focus. Life is filled with enemies. Did you know that? Paul says, I've got an open door with great opportunity in front of me, but there are many adversaries. And believe me, my friend, you do too. If you ever decide to get off that pew, do something with your life, take a risk, challenge something, you'll find out you got enemies. As long as you sit passive and compliant, you won't ever know you had an enemy. Everything around you is not designed to help you. So there are things designed to hinder you or stop you from reaching your goals in life. You know, to have a good home, you got to have focus. You know, to remain on a job, you got to be focused. Broken focus will sabotage your marriage, your dream, your destiny, your health, everything about your life. Jesus' focus kept him on track with his purpose. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, it said, Jesus was tempted in all points like us, yet without sin. So Jesus faced all kinds of distractions, and all of them we do, yet he did not get sidetracked. He did not allow his focus to be broken. So if we face temptation and fail, simply because we weren't focused enough, we had somehow had it broken. In Luke chapter 4, again, the devil tried to get Jesus to doubt who he was, and Jesus refused to focus on the doubt. Many times we focus on what's coming against us more than where we're going, and Jesus focused on his purpose. He knew the cross was his destination. That was his goal. He knew he was going to die for the sins of the world. No unclarity about that. So everything that was contrary to that, everything that challenged that, that came into his life, that tried to break his focus, he would repel it. When Satan said, if you are the son of God, Jesus snapped back, it is written. He didn't argue. He didn't reason with Satan. He knew who he was. He knew what his assignment was. And he was able with that knowledge to overcome every distraction that came against him. Your focus will cause you to live by your faith or the consequences of your doubts. Your faith will obtain for you what you want. Your unbelief will keep you where you are. So why do we put so much energy into our doubts? If you're going to doubt anything in life, doubt your doubts. Don't cast away your confidence and pick up doubt. Tell your doubts, I doubt you. 
Doubt moves you away from the arena of faith and away from your focus. Doubt will divide your ability to focus. Well, I'm not good enough. Well, I'm not smart enough. Well, I'm not sure they'll accept me. I'm not sure I can pass that. I'm not very good in math. And I'm not pretty enough, tall enough, skinny enough, hairy enough, buff enough, hot enough. The enemy talks to everybody. You know, he has got no new plans. The old ones work perfectly. There's nothing new under the sun. In Matthew chapter 14, verse 30, Jesus told Peter, come out to me in the middle of a storm on the water. Now, you sit here in a pew, there's air conditioning or heat, you're comfortable, you've got a cushion under you, and you can make your judgments and snide remarks. I think most of you, I think you'd have a real problem. That's what I think. That salt water hitting you in the face, the waves coming over the boat, lightning cracking, the wind whipping and blowing, and you're a professional, and it is not looking good. Jesus said, uh, Pete, come here. <laughs> Who, me? <laughs> Anybody else in the boat named Peter? I don't know. No, they were all sitting in the boat criticizing Peter. Only one was a water walker. That was Peter. So Peter got out of the boat, started walking on the water to Jesus. But Scripture says, but when he saw the high waves and the wind, he was terrified and he began to sink. So when his focus turned away from Jesus to the crisis or the problem, he began to sink. And so will we. Hebrews 12 tells us, looking unto Jesus. And when Peter began to sink, immediately he refocused on the Lord, which was a smart idea. And he cried out, save me. Now, some of you couldn't pray a brief prayer over dinner, over lunch. You have to go through menopause before you get through. But there are short prayers in the Bible. Help. That was another one before the Beatles. Help. Save me, Jesus. I'm being honest, right? You can pray a good prayer when you're terrified. And you can cut right through all the nonsense of King James. You just go straight to it. So the, the reason some remain in their failures is because they let their focus go. That's where they keep their focus, on the past, on the failure, on the problem. What happened? Who did me wrong? Don't let your failure become your undertaker. Let it become your teacher. Get up and say, I'm not going to let that happen again. Learn some things from your failure. Now you can get some good experience, make you stronger, smarter, and a wiser person. So let's talk about it. Number one, the first enemy to your focus and mind is distractions. A distraction is something designed to get your attention. Its goal is to break your focus by diverting your attention. Why do you think they put sparkle and glitter on bass boats? So men will notice. Have you ever noticed that? All those bass boats got all the glitter on them? Got to have me one of those. And the longer you look at something that you're not supposed to have, the quicker your mind will justify moving towards it. All grocery stores, including H-E-B, know men are impulse buyers. So they force you to walk by all the kind of stuff you don't need to get to the milk and meat you do need. They know that a man can easily have his focus broken from what his wife sent him for, and he'll come home with five bags instead of three bags. So never send your husband shopping without a list. And never go shopping when you're hungry. 
See, men are easily distracted. You go to the store to buy one thing and you allow your focus to be broken by a sign saying sale. But a sale can be a horrible distraction that can cause you to break your budget. And Judges, back I think it's chapter 14, a guy named Samson, strong dude, he saw a dead carcass filled with honey and he took it and ate it because it was sweet. Now he had a Nazarite vow and a Nazarite wasn't to touch anything dead. Anything that will kill you is always saturated in something that smells or seems sweet or you wouldn't touch it. So the longer you keep looking at something you're not supposed to have, another woman, another man, Eve looking at the tree, the quicker your mind will justify moving towards it, like buying something you can't afford. Your mind will always try to justify your failure. In 2 Corinthians 10, Paul talks about taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Have you ever felt the impulse to say something or do something and, you know, the Holy Spirit in us said, don't say that. Every time I get on 281, that first impulse, I hope, is never revealed on any screen in heaven for you to see. I'm telling you, I want to slap somebody. Right there. And my wife will tell you that I, yeah, he does. But I get, I get checked because I'm not going to lose my focus. <laughs> See, those thoughts in your mind and mine left unchecked can break your focus. It's a distraction. Enemy number two to your focus is being defensive about who you are. The devil tried to break Jesus' focus and distract him from his purpose by trying to get him defensive about who he was. He said, if you are the son of God. And there'll be people in your life who will try to get you to doubt who you are. See, you are who God says you are, not who your past, not the failure, not your race, not your culture, not your political party. You're who God says you are. You have what God says you have. And I can do, bless God, what he says I can do. If, I, if it's an assignment, I can do all things through Christ who will strengthen me. Now, the enemy will say, oh, you're not smart enough. You can't do this. You can't do that. You don't come from the right background. You don't have the right pedigree. You're not the right race. Now, that's going to come to everybody. Can, can you say, shut up? Yeah, you just need to tell your mind, shut up. And you have to fill it with what God says. So I contradict those thoughts when they come to me with clear scripture. Or somebody, honey, I was in the shower and I felt a lump. And you know, my, my sister, she had breast cancer or something like that. I guess I probably, gonna, I probably have it too now. And she died early. And now you got to stop saying, wait a minute. Jesus paid for my healing on the cross. He took my sin, sickness, disease, pain, and infirmity. And by his stripes, I am healed. God sent his word to heal me, to deliver me from all destruction. Fight back. That's a lie. But if you receive it, the enemy has a legal right to bring it. It is not the will of God. You, you know, God, God told the devil, you can touch Job, but you can't kill him. Devil is on a leash. But the Bible says, resist the enemy. Resist like you would a mugger. Resist it. No, that's not going to happen. Well, honey, I'm old. The company's due to inflation or due to situation in the economy is downsizing. And I don't know if I can get a job at my age. Stop it. My God will supply all my need according to his riches and glory. Can, can you fight back? That's what the Jesus did. He quote scripture. Well, I don't know much. Well, that dumb, he didn't learn some. Write it down. Put it on a tablet. Put it on an iPad. Walk around and read it. And read it out loud. 
I used to have a legal pad filled with hundreds of scriptures. I'd read them every morning, every night, and, and that was before I was ever in the ministry. Until now, it's just part of me. I don't have to. Sometimes I forget the address, but I don't forget the scripture. Don't forget when that was written, they didn't have verse 29. It was just a letter. So it, it's tr to have the truth is the best thing, not to worry about what, what address it was. See? So if you're going to doubt, doubt your doubts. Don't doubt yourself. That'll break your focus. If Jesus called you, if Jesus saved you, you are good enough. Don't let anybody say you're not good enough. You won't be good enough. You'll never accomplish. You'll never have that. You'll never become that because you'll hear it all your life, and you'll hear it from the people behind you who didn't achieve anything, who had no dream, who had no vision, and they, they don't want you to be successful because it makes them look bad. So Jesus didn't try to convince the devil who he was. He was absolutely confident who he was. If you become distracted about your identity, then you aren't sure. So to defend yourself, you have to stop being who you are and become someone else and then take up the opinion of the person coming against you and fight against an opinion just to be yourself. So just to be, just be yourself, okay? Be the real you. This is it. What you hear me say here, that's what I'm going to say to you right down there. I'm going to say that at the restaurant or at the ball game. I'm going to be the same. I'm not being something I'm not. Now, religious people have a problem with that. And I want to say something to you, but I won't. I will not. So just be yourself. And the reason we defend ourselves is most often because we're insecure about who we are. So people can manipulate you, push you around, patronize you. Stop that. You want everybody to like you. Well, then go sell ice cream because it ain't going to happen. We become so concerned about the opinions of other people that we break our focus from whom God has called us to be or what he's called us to do. And often the reason people don't want you to be you is they're intimidated by your confidence in being yourself. See, the devil was intimidated when he found out Jesus was the Son of God, and he knew Jesus was going to destroy him. So he, like you and I would want to do, get Jesus off track by becoming defensive about who he was. Make him doubt who he is. But Jesus held on to his identity and never allowed the opinion of others, even his own family or the devil, to stop him. And if we're going to stay focused, you got to decide not to allow the opinion of others to stop you. I'm on track. I have lots of opinions, but not conviction. And the biggest distraction you'll ever have in life is trying to please everybody you come in contact with. But in Christ, you've got to come to the place you know who you are and who you're called to and what you're called to do and who you're called to be. Then do it. I can't satisfy or please every religious appetite in this town. Are you kidding me? If it's not my assignment, I'm not going to let you break my focus. Well, we ought to do this, or we ought to do that. We ought to be over here. Well, God's got people to do it all, but he doesn't have one person doing it all. He has different people taking a different need. So you stay in your assignment. Well, they might not like you. I could care less. I like me. I think my wife kind of likes me a little bit. Kids like me. That's fine. I got a few friends that like me. What, what else is there to life? That's about, that's about it. I don't care. What if your political party doesn't like you? Suck it up. If it's wrong, it's wrong. I don't care what party you're part of. Have you got the guts to say, I'm not doing that? Or based on my conviction, based on medical advice, I will do this or I won't do that? 
If you know who you are, you're not intimidated by anybody else's criticism, right? I respect your opinion. You respect mine. But if I'm secure, I won't be manipulated to do something I think is wrong or I, I think is unhealthy. I won't do it. And I don't care what anybody says. See, I'm not called to everybody, and neither are you. So why should I care if somebody doesn't like me? See, even Peter tried to persuade Jesus not to go to the cross. And sometimes it comes from your friends that the enemy will speak to their mind and then through their mouth, and they're unaware. They're, they're unaware. You're, you're just saying what the devil wants me to hear to discourage me or dissuade me from my purpose. You're going to break my focus. And the enemy wanted Jesus not to go to the cross. Peter tried to get Jesus not to do it. And Jesus refused to conform to his friend Peter's expectation. He said, get behind me, Satan. Satan speaks through people, by the way. He doesn't show up in a pitchfork in a red jumpsuit. He speaks through Christians, too. He speaks through family. He speaks through people, just like God does. So we can't get our identity from other people. You get it from God. He made you. And if you don't like you, who else is going to like you? And the third enemy to your focus is preference instead of conviction. A conviction is non-negotiable. A preference, that's up for grabs. You know, I prefer something. But a conviction says no to anything else but that. So something different than the original is an opinion. An opinion is something put in front of you to give you an alternative. So what is preference? An alternative. A lot of people in Washington, D.C. have preferences, but not convictions. You can get people to lobby them, and they'll change their vote. Get them lobbied, give them some money for the reelection, and they'll change their vote easily. Why? It wasn't a conviction. It's just a preference. If they say no comment, it usually means they don't have a preference. See, not a conviction. It's just a preference. So conviction helps you maintain focus. These are non-negotiable. This is what I will do. This is clearly what I won't do to keep me on track. So an alternative will always be a wrong substitute for following the original instructions from God. That's broken focus. When the highway department blocks 281, 1604, the main road, they give you an alternative. That means it's not the original, and your plans are being altered. It's you're being detoured. It's breaking the focus you originally had. And when God told Abraham he would have a son by Sarah, Sarah allowed the fact that she was too old to break her focus. If God says he's going to do something for you, your age doesn't matter. Your race doesn't matter. It doesn't matter your educational status. If God says, I'm going to use you, it is appointed unto you to do this, you're going to do it. If, unless you rebel, it's up to you. But God says, that's got no bearing. Don't, if I make you a promise, age and time don't mean anything to me. I can extend your life. I can remove the problem. I can make you young again, as he did. But she didn't see it. She, her doubts caused her to say, no, nah, not a chance. I'm 90 years old. It ain't happening. And my old man, he's 100. He's dead as Julius Caesar. It isn't going to happen. So she said, I got to have another plan here. She got Hagar, her handmaiden, who's an Egyptian. So Abraham had a child by the Egyptian handmaiden and called him Ishmael. And the scripture says, the angel of the Lord said to her, you are now with child, Hagar, and you will have a son. You shall name him Ishmael, for the Lord has heard of your misery. 
and get this, he will be a wild donkey of a man. His hand shall be against everyone and everyone's hand against him. And he will live in hostility toward all his brothers. Welcome to the Middle East. That alternative plan, the broken focus of Abraham on age and circumstances instead of what God said brings world unrest to this day. Think about that, see? And there was constant strife until Sarah told Hagar and Ishmael, you got to go. Ishmael was a torment to Israel and to this day. Ishmael is the result of broken focus. So to remain focused, you have to have convictions, not preferences. Opinions will always keep you on the side of indecision. You can't make up your mind when you allow opinions to run rampant in your life. Everybody else will always have a good plan for your life. One of my old mentors says, Rick, don't ever forget, God loves you and everybody else got a great plan for your life. Don't allow the opinion of others to break your focus. Whatever the Lord showed you in the light, don't you dare doubt it in darkness. If he said it, it's good, no matter what's going on. Focus on what he showed you till you see it come to pass. An expert once said of the legendary football coach Vince Lombardi, he possesses minimal football knowledge, lacks motivation. <laughs> ay, 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 can you believe that? Walt Disney was fired by a newspaper editor because he lacked creativity. Walt went bankrupt a few times before he built Disneyland. Thomas Edison's teacher says he was too stupid to learn anything. Albert Einstein didn't speak till he was four years old and didn't read until he was seven. His teachers described him as mentally slow, adrift forever in his foolish dreams. F.W. Woolworth, his employers early in his life, said he didn't have sense enough to wait on customers. Richard Hooker worked for seven years on the humorous war novel, M.A.S.H. It was rejected by 21 publishers before Morrow Publishers put it out. It became a runaway bestseller, spawning a blockbuster movie and a highly successful television series, M.A.S.H. See, all the opinions of others never broke the focus of these achievers, and they all had setbacks. Whatever can get your attention will get your direction. If the enemy can have your focus, he can have your life. Every day, your enemy can keep you focused on the land of problems. He can keep you out of the land of promise, getting you to think about what you can't do, what you can't have, who you aren't, what you can't become. In Galatians 6, verse 9, he says, Let us not get weary of doing what is right, for after a while... Perseverance. After a while, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't get discouraged and give up. And a lot of people do. In America, we quit easy. We quit marriage. We quit dreams. We quit jobs. We quit church. We quit God. We just quit so easy. Now, let me read you this, and I'll close. This is from the book Finishing Strong by Steve Farrar. And I'm going to read this excerpt from it. He says, you've heard about Billy Graham, but what about Chuck Templeton or Braun Clifford? Have you ever heard of them? Billy Graham wasn't the only young preacher packing auditoriums in 1945. Chuck Templeton and Braun Clifford were accomplishing the same thing and much more. All three young men were in their mid-20s. 
One seminary president, after hearing Chuck Templeton speak, he spoke one evening to an audience of thousands, called him the most gifted and talented young man in America today for preaching. Templeton and Graham were friends. Both ministered for Youth for Christ. Both were extraordinary preachers. Yet in those early years, most observers would probably have put their money on Templeton. As a matter of fact, in 1946, the National Association of Evangelicals published an article on men who were best used of God in that organization's five-year history. The article highlighted the ministry of Chuck Templeton. Billy Graham was never mentioned. Templeton, many felt, would be the next Babe Ruth of evangelism. Bron Clifford was yet another gifted 25-year-old fireball. In 1945, many believed Clifford the most gifted and most powerful preacher the church had ever seen in centuries. And in that same year, Clifford preached to an auditorium of thousands in Miami, Florida. People lined up 10 and 12 deep outside the auditorium trying to get in. Later that same year, when Clifford was preaching in the chapel at Baylor University, the president ordered all class bells turned off so that the young man could minister without interruption to the student body for two hours and 15 minutes. Don't you love me? Mm. <laughs> two hours and 15. He kept those students on the edge of their seats as he preached on the subject, Christ and the Philosopher's Stone. At the age of 25, young Clifford touched more lives, influenced more leaders, set more attendance records than any other clergyman his age in American history. National leaders vied for his attention. He was tall, he was handsome, he was intellectual and eloquent. Hollywood even invited him to audition for the part of Marcellus in the movie The Robe. It seemed like he had everything. Graham, Templeton, and Clifford. In 1945, all three came shooting out of the starting blocks like rockets. You've heard of Billy Graham. So how come you've never heard of Chuck Templeton? Or Braun Clifford, especially when they came out of the chutes so strong, so majestic, so much better than Graham in 1945. Well, just five years later, Templeton left the ministry to pursue a career as a radio television commentator and a newspaper columnist. Templeton had decided he was no longer a believer in Christ, and by 1950, this future Babe Ruth wasn't even in the game and no longer believed in the validity of the claims of Jesus Christ. Well, what about Clifford? By 1954, Clifford had lost his family, his ministry, his health, and then his life. Alcohol and financial irresponsibility finished him. He wound up leaving his wife and their two Down syndrome children. At just 35 years of age, this once great preacher died from cirrhosis of the liver in a rundown motel on the edge of Amarillo. His last job was selling used car in the panhandle of Texas. He died unwept, unsung, and unhonored. So pastors in the Amarillo area took up an offering among themselves to purchase a casket so his body could be shipped back east for a decent burial in a cemetery for the poor. In 1945, three young men with extraordinary gifts were preaching the gospel to tens of thousands across this nation. And within 10 years, only one was still on track for Jesus. In the Christian life, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. And it doesn't take much 
to break the focus of most people and lose everything. It takes focus to finish. It doesn't take much focus to start. You know, there's a song that was sung years ago, whatever will be, will be. That's wrong. Great lives don't just happen. They're caused. They're caused through desire, decision, determination, and faith. They're caused by people who are desperate enough to buck the system and say no to the security of mediocrity. Becoming a responsible person is to realize our choices are significant. And what we do affects who we are and where we're going to end up. So you better keep your eye on the prize and focus on the main thing and focus on Jesus and his word, who is the author and finisher of our faith. One of my pals in ministry, Orange County, California, was Eric Hensley. His wife, Shelley, died at 36 of cancer. I did her funeral. That left Eric with four kids to raise and a church. He kept it going and growing, focusing on Jesus. I spent many times with him. A few years later, he remarried. And from Eric's website, he said, my name is Eric Hensley. I'm a pastor of a small local congregation called Covenant Life Church in Orange County, California. I'm passionate about and love teaching the Word of God. I've been through many trials in my life, and I'm living the walk of faith daily. I trust in the Lord for all my life and living. I lost my first wife to cancer. Now I'm battling stage four malignant melanoma. I will not give in. I will press on. I'm married to a beautiful woman, Michelle, and together we have seven children and five grandchildren. Well, Eric passed away from that cancer, but he was strong and faithful to the very end of his life. His focus was never broken, and he was faithful right to the end. May God help every one of us and all of you and those of you watching to finish strong. Who's breaking your focus? What's breaking your focus? So God says, my gifts and my callings are irrevocable. I didn't change my mind about you. And it's possible to do a detour and come back, get back. Like your navigational system says, when possible, do a U-turn to get back on the right road. It's possible today to make a mental change to get yourself back thinking straight, back to focus on your marriage, your life, your health, your future, your dream, your vision, whatever God's called you to. Get that focus back. Don't let a setback destroy you. Let it be a setup for a comeback. Hey, thanks again for joining us today. If you enjoyed the podcast, subscribe and share it with a friend. Follow me by visiting the links in the description. I'm praying today that God richly blesses you this entire week.